I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Monday, August 23rd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, boosters and bovine dewormer. We get the latest from Mississippi's health officials. And we check in at one of the field hospitals at UMMC. Then college students thought this semester might be different. We hear what's on their mind as they head back to campus. Plus, Mississippi's new poet laureate shares thoughts on her craft ahead of a virtual event. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi health officials say coronavirus transmission is now the worst it has ever been. We're in the worst time right now. Um, certainly we're, we're worse than at any time that we've experienced previously in this pandemic. And that's kind of hard to say when you verbalize it out loud uh, as bad things have been before. But I think we are in, in just about as bad a situation right now as it can be. That state epidemiologist, Dr. Paul Byers, describing the toll of the fourth wave of the coronavirus pandemic on Mississippi. Byers says all major hospital metrics, COVID admissions, ICU occupancy, ventilator use are all at an all-time high. The Department of Health, in partnership with MEMA, has brought in resources to help relieve the pressure on the state's hospitals. But Byers says other peripheral factors are also adding strain on the health system. We have gotten increased calls to the Mississippi Poison Control Center with um, individuals indicating that they have taken uh, doses of ivermectin either for medications that were prescribed to them or for, and the vast majority of these are with livestock ivermectin that they've purchased at, at local livestock supplies where they have taken this medication to either treat or prevent COVID-19. These are highly, you know, when you, when you talk about an ivermectin medication for a horse or a cow, these are highly concentrated compared to what humans can tolerate. Um, and there's going to be some toxicity associated with it. Why in the world would an individual would want to take a medication for livestock that, number one, has no oversight, no FDA approval. There's no FDA studies on those. 
Those are animal medications, and they're at very high concentrations that may lead to human toxicity. Um, and ivermectin hadn't shown uh, any benefit. But we have a medication that does have uh, full authorization. It may be under emergency use, but it is authorization from the FDA, which means it's been studied, to prevent COVID, and that's the vaccine. The state has seen a rise in vaccines over the last two weeks as Delta has surged through communities. Health officials maintain vaccination is the best way to protect oneself from severe illness and hospitalization. And now Byers says more information is coming out about how extra vaccine protection could be available soon. If you are moderately to severely immunocompromised, now is the time to get the third dose. Um, we're going to be having that live on our website soon that you can go through the vaccine scheduler and it's going to have a place where you can make an appointment for dose number three. And it's going to ask you about your, do you have these immunocompromising conditions? If so, you're eligible to get that vaccine and we will give it to you at the, at the county health department. So, so right now we do have in play the third dose or the additional dose in the okay. series for people who are immunocompromised. Right. Now we're talking about a booster, uh-huh. and a booster will be for those people, and that'll be really most Americans, but there may be a tiered or a phased approach. We'll have to see what FDA and ACIP say, but that's going to likely be for individuals who have their last dose in that series of an mRNA vaccine has been eight or more months previous. Now we get an additional or a booster dose because of waning immunity. Mm -hmm. These are individuals, we we developed an appropriate immune response now, but there is evidence that the immunity is waning to prevent infection. But the um, efficacy of these vaccines is still strong Mm -hmm. at preventing hospitalizations Mm -hmm. and severe disease. So, So the goal of the booster will be to boost those folks antibodies who got a good response but now have waning immunity a little bit different but same principle for the third dose in the immunocompromise coming up we check in at one of the field hospitals at ummc this is mississippi edition on mpb think radio Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. For six days now, the medical team with Samaritan's Purse has been treating COVID-19 patients in their field hospital at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. With 32 beds and a staff of 50, the organization is helping relieve the pressure on the state's only Tier 1 trauma facility during this fourth wave of the coronavirus pandemic. Nurse and team lead Kelly Seitz shares more on the relief effort with our Desiree Frazier. You always have to live your life ready. You have to not procrastinate and be ready and um, stay flexible. What are you seeing as folks are brought in by ambulance? Yes, the patients are being transferred from the University of Mississippi Medical Center to us and very critical and very sick. 
Can you describe the symptoms that they're experiencing? Well, the typical normal COVID symptoms that we've seen since the start of the pandemic, um, exacerbated, you know, they start with the typical symptoms and then they get worse and worse and worse over time. Can you um, tell us what you can do? Uh, well, we can do supportive care and help um, keep them comfortable and keep them uh, coughing and moving in the, if we get them early, um, do some therapeutical things. And then if they get worse, you know, keep kind of good monitoring systems in place so we can monitor their status because sometimes it takes a while to get super sick and sometimes it can go very fast. So we're just here to take care of them and support them uh, the best that we can wherever they're at in that continuum. How many people can you treat? Uh, we, our field hospital here has 32 beds. Are they all full? Not currently. We're getting patients every single day. And do you release patients from here? Do they go back to the hospital? Yes, that's a good question. They admit directly from the hospital, and then when they're finished with us, we transfer them back to the hospital for discharge. Can you ventilate? Yes. We have an ICU unit of five beds. Tell us a little bit how you ensure that those that are treating the patients remain safe. Oh, great question. Well, a lot of our staff, our medical staff works in their local hospitals wherever they live. Uh, we put our staff through training, so the PPE, um, IPC it's called, Infection Prevention Control. We're very strict with our protocols and we train them a lot on how to keep themselves safe. Uh, many of them have deployed with us on other COVID responses. So we're, we're very strict and we keep a close eye on our staff and we're constantly training um, and providing safe measures to take care of our staff and our patients. And I understand there's a place where they change and they disinfect? That's right. So our staff will arrive in the morning and put on a clean pair of scrubs and then they need to don, D-O-N-N, -N, which means putting on the um, PPE, personal protective equipment. That is... Uh, a pair of a special pair of shoes that they can wear in the dirty section, a gown that's protective, two pairs of gloves, a bonnet over their hair so that their hair is protected, uh, a face mask and a mask. Have you ever had anyone contract COVID while treating patients? Um, yeah, that happens in every hospital, and we have had some staff affected by that. How long will you be here? Um, well, we've committed to a month, and then we'll reevaluate. You personally, what does it mean? take on this kind of commitment to deal with some of the sickest folks that you'll see. We're thrilled to be here to take care of the sickest folks that we'll see. We love to be able to help release the pressure valve of the hospital. They're feeling so much pressure and they feel underwater. They just need help. And we're so glad to partner with them. They're doing such a good job. And we're thrilled to be able to set up right next to them and support them and also relieve some of that pressure by taking on some of their critical patients. And how do you keep yourself mentally focused? Well, we're a Christian organization, so we all have a deep and abiding relationship with our with our God, and we tap into that daily because this is beyond our strength every single day. And so we tap into that, and we're also a very tight group, and we support and encourage each other every day. Have you lost any patients? Uh, we haven't yet. We're prepared for whatever comes. We know that's the natural cause sometimes, and we're prepared mentally and spiritually to handle that when that comes. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I appreciate it. You're welcome. That was team lead Kelly Seitz.
Coming up, college campuses are starting to fill up with students again. Many had hoped things would be back to normal by now, but with the Delta variant on the rise, that's not the case. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you're print impaired, MPB's radio reading service is here for you. Our dedicated team of volunteers bring the world of news and entertainment to you. For information and to see if you qualify, call us at 601-432-6301. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Students in Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana are returning to campus this fall. Expectations were high at the end of last semester that things were going to go back to normal. But with the Delta variant spreading rapidly and universities changing their COVID guidelines, students are experiencing a wide variety of emotions. I feel safe. Sad. Nervous about it. I personally feel feel completely fine. I'm really excited. Very, very excited, you know. There's a lot to be excited about. Frustrated is a good word. I'm still comfortable, but I could be more comfortable. Here's what's on the minds of three college students from Louisiana, Alabama, and Mississippi as they start the new school year. My name is Akila Northern, and I am a sophomore marketing major at Dillard University. The guidelines at Dillard as of now are we are going on campus and we're supposed to have in-person classes. I definitely think that those guidelines will change. I think that I kind of feel like we might go back to completely online because honestly the cases in Louisiana now are worse than they were when we first went in the school year of 2020. I feel very anxious about it honestly and also just sad because I didn't expect two years of college to be like this. I thought if we can get through freshman year, it'll be better. Like what if every year it feels like we're getting better and then when it's time for school to start, there's another variant or there's another outbreak or there's things are getting worse. And so it's just kind of a cycle where you feel like we're almost out of it, but then we never get out of it. My name is Natalie Robbins, and I'm a senior at the University of Mississippi. I'm not looking forward necessarily to going to class in person. I would definitely choose virtual learning if that was an option I was given. I'm most worried that, you know, something will happen to my grandmother and, you know, something like COVID, if I was responsible for giving that to her, like, I would feel so guilty. I just know for the rest of my life because that's something that would be completely fatal to her health. And, um, you know, right now I'm at a place where I don't know when I'll go home again or when I'll see her again. And in the spring this year when Ole Miss announced that, you know, we were going to go back to full capacity in the stadiums and we were going to reopen the Grove, you know, I was looking forward to returning to that sense of normalcy. I didn't think that this would happen and I didn't think the Delta variant was going to be a thing. I didn't think it was going to affect our state the way that it has, but now we're here and I know everyone's looking forward to it, but um, it's frightening.
My name is Terrilyn Campbell. I go to the University of Alabama. I am a senior and I'm majoring in public relations. I, I feel safe. I'm, I'm out here on campus right now. Um, I definitely feel as if that there's nothing that would change my feelings of safety unless that there was no mask mandate and it's just a free-for-all. You never know. The world just turns, like, just like it did in March of 2020. Like, it, I was out here on the quad that day, and out of nowhere, we just got a whole bunch of emails, a whole bunch of calls, and them saying, like, COVID is hitting. Everyone pack up and leave. Optimism is key. <laughs> I'm trying to stay as optimistic as possible. Definitely football season tailgating and finishing this semester without another lockdown. That's that's literally all I want out of life. That's all I want for Christmas is finishing this semester without a lockdown. That was Terrilyn Campbell, a senior at the University of Alabama. We also heard from Akilah Northern, a sophomore at Dillard University, and Natalie Robbins, a senior at the University of Mississippi. This piece was produced by Eva Tesfai from the Gulf States Newsroom. The Gulf States Newsroom is a partnership between WBHM in Birmingham, WWNO in New Orleans, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Coming up, Mississippi's new poet laureate shares thoughts on her craft ahead of a virtual event. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Catherine Pierce has a way with words. She knows the power language has to connect people and draw out deeper, more meaningful connections. That's why the new Poet Laureate of Mississippi is teaming up with the Mississippi State University Institute for the Humanities for a Facebook Live reading and conversation tomorrow. Pierce joined us to share how she was introduced to the craft and how she hopes to show that poetry, reading and writing it, can be for everyone. I started writing poetry when I was a kid, and I continued writing it throughout my life. And then I started writing it um, more seriously when I was in college and then, of course, in graduate school. But I think what I always loved about it was the way it made me feel. It was something that um, allowed for an openness that I really connected with. It was a place where I found real comfort, and it was a place where I found real excitement in language. I love language. And so poetry always offered for me that that real thrill of words themselves. I was going to ask that whether it was the words themselves and is it words because they sound a certain way or because they create a certain imagery? What is it? It's all of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that I think any poet or any writer probably will, will, will tell you the same thing, that words are just really magical. And I think that part of it, sometimes it is the sounds of the words, it's the way that certain words sound when they're connected to each other or when they play off of one another. 
sometimes it's what it conjures up for you in your mind. Um, sometimes it's all of those things. I'm always asking my students to make lists of words that they just really, really love and seeing if they can use those words as jumping off points for their own poems because there's so much energy in words that we love. Is there a difference in the words you choose based on whether you're reading them or saying them? I think that for me, and I think that probably every poet would have maybe a slightly different answer to this question, um, because you have poets who are spoken word artists primarily. You have poets who are writing mainly for the page. I'm writing mainly for the page, but I still really believe in the musicality of language and how important it is to have words um, sound you know, the right way and sound in a way that is satisfying to the ear. So I think that... There are some poems that I write where I do pay a lot more attention. I want more internal rhyme in there. I want more echoes of certain sounds that have come before. But I, I definitely pay attention to the words. And whenever I write a poem um, that's you know that I intend to be mainly for the page, I always read it out loud to myself to make sure that it sounds the way that I want it to. Because I do think that both of those things go together, regardless of how the poet intends that poem to kind of make it out into the world. I think that we all want our poems to work as well as they can, both sonically and on the page. I was going to ask you about the genre in which you write. And before the interview, I looked up various types of poems and there was a long, long list, much longer than I ever right. expected to see. You know, things from <laughs> limericks to epic to elegy to free verse to, I mean, there's so many. Right. So what genres of this long, long list do you write in? <laughs> Well, I don't write a lot of limericks, although maybe I should. <laughs> um, no, I write, I mean, I think I write, I write mainly free verse poems, which is unrhymed and unmetered poetry. Um, but I'm a big fan of formal poetry as well. And also poetry that really just pays close attention to sonic qualities. So internal rhyme or little echoes that you hear here and there. And I've certainly written some formal poems. I've written sonnets and villanelles and sestinas and all these various forms, but I'm mainly a, a free verse poet. When I read something, including poetry, I judge it by how it makes me feel. Does that play a role in your poetry? Absolutely. And I, I think that, you know, when I write a poem, I can't think exclusively about how it might make somebody else feel because I, I have no idea how it might make somebody else feel. I can only kind of think about doing my best to make sure that I'm being as clear as I can be in conveying what I'm trying to convey in my poem, right? So whether that is a certain emotion or a depiction of a certain place or a bit of imagery. And, and I always tell my students this, if you're doing your job of being as accurate as you can and as clear and precise as you can, then you're doing what you need to be doing. And then hopefully a reader will be able to kind of take that and, and run with it and feel or get close to the feeling that you were trying to put into that poem or the image that you were trying to describe. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And I think that we talk also in poetry a lot about the idea of stakes. A poem has to have stakes, which is to say it has to matter in some way. And of course, there are a gazillion different ways a poem might matter, but it, it does have to matter in some way. And that's, the, that's what makes a reader connect with it, right? We read a poem and we think, oh, yes, I feel that somehow. And even if my experience isn't the same as the writer of the poem, there's something going on in that poem that resonates with me. And so that's, that's I think, where those stakes are located, the thing that makes us care about the poems that we're reading. At this live Facebook virtual event, 
you will be talking about being Poet Laureate. So give us a hint of what you'll be talking about. How is it to be the Poet Laureate for Mississippi? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a real honor and it's, it's a privilege and it's something that I'm very, very excited about. I love what I've been able to do so far and I'm really looking forward to, to the, the next few years in this position. Um, in the conversation, the Facebook Live conversation on this coming Tuesday, I'm going to be in conversation with Dr. Julia Osman, who directs the Institute for the Humanities at Mississippi State. And we're going to be talking about poetry and about my role as Poet Laureate and also about what makes poetry such a powerful way of connecting people with one another and also about how people might get started writing some of their own poems. And I'm going to share a couple of poems, and we'll be taking questions from the audience, and I'm hoping it'll be just a, a really lively and fun conversation. Wonderful, wonderful. Dr. Catherine Pierce is Mississippi's Poet Laureate and a professor of English at Mississippi State University, also co-directs the Creative Writing Program. Dr. Pierce, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much. And that event is tomorrow at 4 o'clock on the Mississippi State University Institute for the Humanities Facebook page. Before we leave you, the Department of Health has just released numbers of cases of COVID-19. This represents three days, and the number is 7,249, 56 deaths. Deaths have now surpassed the 8,000 mark at 8,047. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.